Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm Bob McGregor. I'm Stan Fowler. And we are here at the uh, Grandview Church studio thinking about... The atoning, the atonement, the atoning work of Christ in his death. Well, this is on the church calendar, and churches are finding creative ways to uh, worship the Lord, to celebrate Good Friday, Holy Week. We've got a number of things happening here. Uh, but there's a huge theological significance to the atonement. There's different views of the atonement, and it's seems as we think about trends, theological trends about the atonement, that there are some um, some dissatisfactions that theologians are having, churches are having. They're embarrassed uh, about the the gruesome, bloody scene of Christ on the cross. Why why is that so good? Uh, what do we need to preserve about that? So we're going to talk today, Stan, about the atonement, and what what exactly is the current trend um, with regards to the atonement? I think the, the trend that concerns me is, is a trend away from a, a, a focus on, an emphasis on the, the death of Christ as, as a substitution for us, for us sinners, which was in some sense penal, that he was in fact a bearing, in a way we can't comprehend fully, but bearing the penalty of our sins. Um, and so there, there's a tendency right now among theologians and pastors to, to, I think, to feel a bit embarrassed about that, to feel embarrassed about the fact that the death of Christ delivers us from the wrath of God, from a very real wrath of God directed at human sin. I, I mean, a couple of illustrations come to mind. One is, just just a few years back, the Presbyterian Church USA, which is which is the pluralistic, largely liberal Presbyterian Church, not not the Presbyterian Church in America. Those are our evangelical friends. The PCUSA was was producing a new hymnal. I think you and I remember hymnals, right? Mm-hmm. And they wanted to include uh, the the wonderful contemporary hymn, In Christ Alone. And God bless them. By Keith Gaddy and Stuart Townend. But they wanted to change the second stanza so that it no longer talks about how in the death of Christ the wrath of God was satisfied. And they wanted to change it to something like the love of God was magnified. Well, Gaddy and Townend to their credit, said, no, no, you, you, you can't use the hymn if you're going to change those words. And, and I, I think that was, I applaud them for that choice. Now, sidebar to that, three years ago, I was at a, an international conference on Baptist studies at Baylor University in Texas. Each morning during the conference, we, we had a, a short worship time and so I think it was the second morning we sang In Christ Alone out of the hymn book that was sitting there in the Baylor Chapel. But when we sang the second stanza, I realized the words had been changed at <laughs> that very point to the love of God was magnified. 
Now, this was not a Presbyterian church hymnal. This was one done by, I think, the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, a bunch of so-called moderate as opposed to conservative Baptists. And I thought, well, I know they didn't ask permission to do it because I know what Getty and Townend had already said about that. Now, even there, was the love of God magnified in the death of Christ? Of course it was. And, I mean, Paul says in Romans 5, God demonstrated his love for us in that way. But the love of God is displayed by virtue of the fact that the Father gave the Son, who himself willingly gave his life, Mm -hmm. as an atoning sacrifice to substitute for us, to bear our sins, to bear our penalty, and to deliver us from the wrath of God. Or 1 John 4. John says that this is love, not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and gave his one and only son to be the propitiation, that which turns away wrath for our sins. So if if I may just interject, how do you you reconcile God who is angry, God who is love? God is both. God is rightly angry at sinners for our, our rebellion against him for our demanding that we chart the course of our own life and go our own way, reject his authority as our creator and sustainer. Um, so he's rightly angry. But, but he also loves us and calls us to believe his offer of forgiveness through Christ. So the, the idea that God cannot be both righteously angry at sinners and at the same time love those sinners, mm-hmm. I would say, is simply false to what Scripture tells us about, about the, the, the attributes of God and the actions of God. But, but that's the problem people have. They think of someone beside themselves with anger, anger that is out of control. When we, when we look at our, our court hearings and the judge passes a sentence— we don't expect them to be angry. They try to be very passive. Although more and more, you see judges who really let the 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 uh, the, the verdict uh, out there. Uh, but but we we don't want anger or outbursts of emotion in in our legal system. So it's hard for us to think of God, the ultimate judge, as being filled with rage and anger. Maybe that's not the word to use. So maybe maybe the Greek has a better word for us. But you can see the problem that people have with God being mad. Yes, and I I, <laughs> I, I wish Greek could uh, rescue us from the dilemma. Unfortunately, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the Bible makes it clear that that however we understand statements about God's anger, God's wrath, we. God's anger is is not just like our anger. Our anger is the anger of sinful humans who don't understand everything the way we ought to and who are prone to act in a in a selfish mm-hmm. as opposed to loving way. So I I mean we need to understand when the Bible talks about God's emotions we we mustn't drag the creator down to the level right. of the created one the infinite to mm-hmm. the finite, we recognize that the language is, is the language of analogy. But the point remains that, that there is something about the reality of God's nature and God's action 
that says, the way to describe God's attitude toward our rebellion can analogously be described in terms of anger, wrath. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, even words like rage, and I, mm-hmm. <laughs> even hatred. Mm-hmm. Psalm 11 mm-hmm. talks about God hating the wicked mm-hmm. who rebel against him. So we, we always have to say, remember, it's God is using human language to describe a reality beyond what our language can fully comprehend. We understand all that. But if we, if we lose the truth that, that God is righteously angry at us for our sin, then, then we, and, and that if we continue unrepentant, unbelieving, we will experience the wrath of God then we miss something that that is at the heart of atonement. Christ died to deliver us from the wrath of God, and and we need to remember that. Do you think that uh, as we evangelize and share the good news of the gospel that uh, we have failed to include the wrath of God and our dangerous predicament as sinners uh, who are under the condemnation and the wrath of God? Do, do, you, do you think that we've soft-pedaled that? Perhaps we have, uh, although I think, I mean, you and I both have enough preaching experience to understand we, we, we need to speak of those hard realities carefully and, and not trivially. And, and I'm, I'm not one to suggest that... Um, the wrath of God is the very first thing we bring up wh- if we want to communicate mm-hmm. the gospel. Interestingly, when, when you look at, for example, the records we have of apostolic preaching in the book of Acts, they start with what, what, what has happened in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Now, if you take Pentecost, for example, Peter, Peter begins with all that. Jesus was a man accredited to you by God, by signs, wonders, and miracles, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And, and then he gets to the point of saying, but this is the one that you had crucified by the hands of wicked men. And he talks about the exaltation of the Lord Jesus in heaven. God has exalted him as Lord in Christ, and he's waiting in heaven now until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. So eventually he gets to the fact that the, the Messiah who lived, who died and was raised from the dead, is ascended to heaven and is going to return as judge. And if we're in the company of those who've rejected the, the messianic Savior God provided, it's, it's not looking good for us. Mm-hmm. So the message is there, al- although, and, and so we do need, to somehow recognize and and proclaim Christ, who lived, died, and was raised, is going to come again as the judge of all humankind. He's going to declare the truth about all of human history. And frankly, we all need to be ready for that. And apart from him, we're not ready for that. So Mm -hmm. it it has Mm -hmm. to be there somehow. But we don't always have to replicate Jonathan Edwards' famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. 
Yeah, I've read that sermon, and I don't get it. I, I don't know how people were clinging to the pew for fear of falling into perdition. Uh, the Lord must have been in that somehow. The Spirit must have moved him. I remember reading that sermon. Uh, I read that sermon as <laughs> as part of an assignment in a in an English literature course in a secular university. And it was interesting. When, when I read it, I thought, frankly, this is all very cerebral. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Edwards apparently, I mean, read his sermons. Um, in, the, and in the dim light, so I in hear. In the dim light, even. And I, I agree. I, I, when I read it, I thought, you know, this, it doesn't deserve to be treated quite the way it has been. Mm-hmm. People talk about it as if it was thunderbolts and he was yelling and screaming and it was actually nothing like that. Mm-hmm. But he was making the point, you and I are in God's hands. God is the sovereign one. Um, if, we, if we're sinners who rebel against God, well, there is perdition to come. Mm-hmm. And, and it's only God and his mercy uh, that keep us from that. So it, it, it was... It was a powerful truth, although apparently not communicated in quite the uh, the passionate yeah. way, I guess, that most people assume. Yeah. You know, we're looking at Holy Week this week, and here at Grandview, we're talking to the various age groupings on the the messages from the cross, and you know, one of them has to do with Jesus uh, saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God turns his back, like the song, the Father turns his face away. And I'm trying to present this to a young person, a junior high. And it was like she couldn't fathom that God would be unloving or turn his back on his own son. And the, the idea of the series was for, to get impressions from kids and adults about these events. And she had never thought about that. Oh, I, I get that. I mean, <laughs> as I was reading over the questions that you're talking about for discussion, I thought maybe that was mine. Um, and we don't understand all that's going on there. I, I do think we need to understand Jesus is quoting words of David in Psalm 22. And in Psalm 22, David s- expresses those words to say, this is what I'm experiencing now. And yet he goes right on to say, but I know that you haven't really mm-hmm. forsaken me. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's hard to understand all that was going on. But at the very least, we need to under- recognize that. I need to recognize that my, my sins are bad enough to cause Jesus, the God-man, to experience that kind of anguish mm-hmm. on the cross and so if we ask, how serious is human sin? The answer is, look at the cross and his suffering. But if we ask, how great is God's love? Mm-hmm. The answer is also, look at the cross. Amen. And we're going to be doing that intentionally. Maybe we need to do it intentionally more often, but certainly on Good Friday when we uh, gather together to focus on the cross and all of that, his wrath and holiness and his love that saves us. It's a wonderful time of year to be 
to get a reset in our heart. So until then, I want to thank you for listening to us and thinking about our Lord and Savior who died on the cross for our sins. Thanks you for listening. Keep on thinking. Thank you.